0: For the 21st time. This podcast can drink now, baby. For the 21st time. I am not Joe Flacco. It's a celebration, bitches. We hit number 21. And in my experience, from 21 to 25 are the best podcasts of your life. And pretty much everything after 25 starts to slow down, your podcast hangovers. It lasts longer. They're more painful. Okay, twenty-one to twenty-seven is really good. Podcasts from thirty to forty; those really start to hurt. And as you get into that kind of, you can get into that podcasting range, you, you're fine. You you probably have you probably have other podcasts that that you're advising and that are following in your footsteps. You're 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 nurturing them like children. Your, your podcast is starting to break down in spots. You, you didn't know you had weak points in your podcast. And then, you know, once you get past 40, you, you kind of get everything figured out. But you also really don't give a fuck anymore. So anyways, for the 21st time, I'm not Joe Flacco. This is not Joe Flacco, the podcast. I'm excited. We're getting into, by we, I mean me, uh, I am getting into... I'm going to take credit for this now on. There's no we in this right now. Doug's not here. I, I am getting into my, not our, my top five and bottom five best and worst coaches that did not make the playoffs. So I didn't want to do the top five best coaches and the bottom five worst coaches because Listen, the top five best coaches are some order of Kyle Shanahan, Belichick, Andy Reid, uh, Pete Carroll's going to be up there. Unfortunately, Sean Payton's probably in the mix. Like it's it's a fairly you know you guys know those names. I wanted to talk about the guys that missed the playoffs this year and might and are and are probably good enough coaches to make the playoffs this year. I'm not this is not a prediction thing. Just saying, I like the way they're coaching their teams. I like what they bring to their team. And uh, the arrow's pointing up. And then there's the slapdicks that aren't the top five best coaches that didn't make the playoffs. They're not even the ten coaches I ignored that didn't make the playoffs. They're the five worst coaches probably in the league. I don't think any... I have to go back and like relook at all the numbers and even bill o'brien that's he's a decent coach he's just a shitty gm so anyways we're getting into it this one was a good one i had fun with it hope you stick around let me know your feedback dm me email me stupidfootballthoughts at gmail.com text me i put my phone number out there the other day it's a 614 number i forget it off the top of my head, it's a burner number, I'm not giving you clowns my actual phone number. Anyway, so let's get to the sponsors. Episode 21 of Not Joe Flacco, the podcast is brought to you by your mom. See, I was told today that I was too old to be making mom jokes. I I responded that I'm the most dangerous mom joker in the world because of my age. Because, see, I'm a relatively good looking guy. I'm also 38, which is probably a few years younger than your mom. Which is probably something she's looking for about now. But it's also not so much younger than her that she'd seem like a slut. You know, she wouldn't have to live with that cougar thing. She could parade me around town, show me off to her friends. Hey, look at my young new boyfriend. And then all of a sudden I'm your stepdad. And now your stepdad's better at the internet than you. Live with that life. Your mom, sponsor of Nacho Flacco, the podcast, episode 21. Okay, so my top five coaches that did not make the playoffs in 2019. So people have been asking me for my top five teams and power rankings and things like this. And, you know, I want to obviously by now, if you guys have been listening, you know, I like to dive a little deeper than that. And diving deeper into, you know, Belichick and Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, it doesn't move my dick much um you know i i like to i want to find out stuff about guys that that we're not talking about right now everybody's you know it's like kyle shanahan and andy Reid were just in the super bowl belichick's taking over for brady or uh you know belichick's you know replacing brady there's tons of fucking ink and podcast time spent on on those guys right now so i wanted to focus on On some guys that that didn't make the playoffs, but that I still think are great coaches. Or are going to be great coaches. And then the flip side of that, which is the five coaches that didn't do so hot. So uh, the five worst coaches that didn't make the playoffs. There's there's probably even, I mean, Bill O'Brien, I'm looking at you. If I'm doing my five worst coaches... Bill O'Brien might make those. Definitely GM. I don't know. i got to think about that. Anyways, so to jump right into it, we're going to count down from five. So this is the fifth best coach. Not Joe Flacco's fifth best coach that did not make the playoffs. I'm actually going to start with Brian Flores in Miami. And the reason I'm going to start with him is because he took over one of the worst teams in the league. And they played hard. Like I, I, for whatever reason, I ended up watching way more Miami Dolphin football than I wanted to this year. And they were playing hard. And watching them reminded me of 2017 and 2018 with Kyle Shanahan and the Niners. Got to bring it back to the Niners just because that's the team I watch literally every snap of. But the Niners were one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, I think they picked second in back-to-back drafts coming out of 17 and 18. And um, there, but they were playing hard. And you could see that there were good things happening. And I see that with Brian Flores. And I think you can see it also because part of coaching is recruiting you know, except you're, you're recruiting professionals now. And sure, you know, having a ton of salary cap room helps, but they're, I like, I I really think I like what they're building down there in Miami. And I think they got a really good quarterback. Hopefully the, the hip holds up in Tua, but I really like what, what the, uh, what the Dolphins are doing. And specifically again, with how hard they playing, this will come up in the flip side of the conversation, when we start talking about the worst coaches, because there are some bad teams this year that the coach, you know, the players didn't play hard for. And that's, that's the first thing you should look at if is, and that, that that'll probably be a theme here, uh, at least with two of these guys, um, that there's definitely a theme here that, you know, these guys were just, they just, they were just playing hard. And, um, with, with with a league that is that has so much parity and so much uh, and the design around keeping teams bunched together that the difference a lot of times is just effort. I mean these guys are all professionals and and if and if Brian Flores can get his teams to play that hard as they add talent to the roster, they're in for you know I, I think they' I think they could build something quite nice. My number four best coach that did not make the playoffs is Vic Fangio. And uh, the Broncos finished 7-9, and I think. I'm not too worried about – I mean, first-year coach, I'm not too worried about how they do in the first year. Vic is one of the premier defensive minds in football, an older coach. I would have rather him gone to a different organization. I thought that he would be a better fit in Green Bay. And uh obviously the Packers went with LaFleur and now they're going with Jordan Love. So Packers fans, I think you maybe think they should have listened to me. I don't know. Um, but Vic Fangio, nine time top ten, nine times he's run a top ten defense. Now it remains to be seen whether you can run the entire team, but He's got a young quarterback, which I don't think is a great fit for a defensive-minded coach. Um, But Drew Locke seemed to come on at the end of last year, and they gave them all the weapons in the world. Basically, what they they looked at, and they're like, okay, Vic had another top 10 defense last year. We're getting Bradley Chubb back. That's like that's 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 as good a free agent, free agent quote unquote acquisition as anybody's gonna get. I know Bradley Chubb's, Chubb's not a free agent, but you know what I mean. This is a this is an addition to last year's team. They were a top 10 defense without Bradley Chubb. So yeah, I I I really like Vic Fangio. Five times he's had a top three defense. You know the Broncos are gonna play good defense, and it Vic Fangio's head coaching career is gonna be dependent on him being able to find the right offensive coordinator that's going to stick around for a couple of years. That's always the the trouble and the fear that I have with defensive coordinators. And again, why well, I thought he should go to, to Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers is going to do what he wants fucking anyways and uh, doesn't want, need or require the mentoring. But a young rookie, you know, a young QB does and, uh, you know, even if you find the right offensive coordinator, that guy can bounce in two years because that's the those offensive minds are the are the most in demand coaches in the league. So, um, you know, the mini McVays and the mini Shanahan's and those guys, those are the guys that are that are in the highest demand. So, if Fangio, Fangio's trajectory is completely dependent on because we know the defense is going to play well, Fangio's defense uh, trajectory is completely determined by can he keep the right offensive coordinator for like three to five years. Can he build that infrastructure to where he's always got a good young coach coming up behind him? They can keep running the same system. If he can build continuity on the offensive side of the ball, then, um, I think, you know, with the way that he runs the defense, I think that people are going to be talking about him as one of the very, very good coaches in the league. The, uh, the number three best coach that didn't make the playoffs is Frank Reich, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, obviously, Frank took the job when Josh McDaniels turned it down late. Colts waited for him. McDaniels dragged his feet. Finally, McDaniels backed out. And Frank Reich, the only reason that Frank Reich was even available is because the the Eagles had just he was the offensive coordinator for the Super Bowl champion, Eagles. They just beat the Patriots, and this job opens up and – you know a, a guy that probably thought he was going back to Philadelphia didn't have to and he goes to Indianapolis and had to bend and by this time then think about the degree of difficulty here cuz sh- sure the Colts got really lucky they got a really good coach off one of the off the Super Bowl champions but Frank Reich didn't get a chance to build his staff. You know, it's like once the once the season ends, that's when all the calls start happening, and it's like, hey, you come with me, and are you part of this package, and are you part of that package? And these coaches cluster together, and then they kind of become this package deal. And during and this is part of the job interview process is, is the uh, you know the owners are sitting down with them, and it's like, okay, who are you bringing with you? Right. This is why this is part of the reason McVeigh got the job because he he went in there and he's like. Yeah, I got Wade Phillips, and I was like, oh, "Oh, okay. Well, if Wade Phillips thinks this guy's legit, then you know, the, and there's shit like that that goes on. So, you know, Frank Reich in prior to year one wasn't able to build the the right roster, and then prior to year two, the franchise quarterback retires, like what a week or two into training camp, maybe even into the preseason. I forget exactly when he retired, but but you talk about the being behind the eight ball. And for his first season, winning record, second season, even with Jacoby Brissett, who was the backup going into the season, <coughs> they went 7-9, and they were playing really good football in the first half of the season. Brissett gets hurt. He still played, I think, 14, 13 or 14 games, but just wasn't the same after that. You know, I really, with Phillip Rivers there in Indianapolis, I'm really expecting a bounce-back season from the Colts, and oh, I expect them to challenge for... For the division title there in the uh, in the AFC South, so Frank Reich, number three best coach that did not make the playoffs last year. My number two is a guy who's been in the news a ton lately, uh, mainly for who he's recruited and who he gets to coach right now is Bruce Arians. Uh, Bruce Arians has a five eighty nine win percentage. Okay, but I think the biggest thing, the biggest feather in his Kangol hat right now is you know he was able to recruit Tom Brady and I know that you know when they talk about this it sounds like that Brady was trying to sell him on them and blah 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 but Brady wasn't going to go to some slapdick organization that didn't have the right coach and Bruce Arians has that reputation as a guy that knows specifically the offense he knows you know the, the offense is going to score points he, he took over a number three ranked offense and kept it at number three um, in his first year within a new system, even with all of Jameis' turnovers. And things were going to get better next year. The only knock on Arians is that his offense is complex, and you know, is is it is it is, for this year? Is it going to be the right offense for Brady? I think that, you know, Brady's obviously going to bring a little bit more, um, have a little bit more say so in the, um, in the, the installation of the game plans and the installation of the offense than, than Jameis did last year. And, and, you know, all those MVPs and all those Super Bowl titles brings, you know, a, a certain amount of gravitas to it. And then Arians is probably more likely to listen to him than he is to listen to Jameis. And I get that. But the, um, uh but bruce arians uh, from having to to play against him when he was with the cardinals and watching the niners go up against him it was always a pain in the ass man those those teams were well coached and they're fuck it, they're they are aggressive and that kind of aggression man it's like you know it's like poker or anything else it's just like if you just keep coming and just keep coming just keep coming you know you make the other team make mistakes um, just, just from the sheer force and pressure that you bring to bring to bear on a defense, and on, and then what that does to the offense, because now they got to keep up. Um, it's just, man, it is a it is a balls to the wall team all the time. And uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the Bucks are able to do. Hopefully, they don't go farther than the Niners. But um, the uh, I'm I'm looking forward to to what the Bucks are capable of this year. And number one is again, we go back to playing hard and uh, you know and for for whatever reason and this this guy's the fans of this team are sometimes like in open revolt over the coach they have and I think it is it's just a a, a function of how long he's been with the team because because Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the league, let alone best coaches that. That missed the playoffs. And he's only 48 years old. He's been with the Steelers for 13 years. He's got a 642 winning percentage. So he's basically, what, 9, 10 wins every single year. And he's never had a losing season. He went 8-8 and this year with Mason Rudolph and Derek Hodges throwing 450 passes. And, sure, the defense was the fifth-ranked defense in the league, but they played fucking hard the entire time and had an outside shot at the playoffs late in the season with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges at quarterback. So, Steelers fans, I don't understand, like, because I, I get, listen, I I, def- I I said the Steelers were going to make the Super Bowl last year and they didn't even make the playoffs. Um you know, i i I, th- I think I kind of went into my shell a little bit about them this year, especially with the Browns getting you know all the extra hype around them. And it's, uh, but watching them, like especially man, like, like the the Niners have to play them week three. I think, holy shit, man, they are flying around, and they stayed that way throughout the season, even when it didn't, even when it was like, man, this. This season's a waste. They were still out there flying around, and if you can get, if you and in year thirteen for a coach to be able to get that much effort out of the same guys year in and year out, um, I you know fuck some fuck clock management, man. If you can get those guys to play that hard all the time, you're gonna win some games. And he's got super. He's got he's got Super Bowl titles to his name. There's, you know, he's got a Super Bowl title. You know, it's like if Mike Tomlin went on the market tomorrow, he would be scoot- like three different teams would fire their head coach just to fucking interview him. Guaranteed. If the Steelers up and fired him tomorrow, if he quit tomorrow, they would find a way. Multiple teams would find a way to bring him on. So anyway, those are my top five best coaches for non-playoff teams this year. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, so now we get to the worst five coaches that didn't make the playoffs this year. And you can probably call this just these... I'd be hard-pressed to come up with a different top five worst coaches if you just gave me if it was just give me the top five worst coaches in the league but I'm just I'm I'm limiting it right now to just coaches that didn't make the playoffs and so the coaches that that didn't make either cut well we'll just let we'll, will skip that we'll get into this number five and the theme of this I think is going to be what is it that you would say you do here? Because I've got offensive coaches that are running terrible offenses. I've got defensive coaches that are running terrible defenses. And I don't understand what else they would possibly be bringing to the table if they can't do the thing that they, uh, they have hung their hat on for their entire careers. The thing that got them the job, why, haven't, if you, why continue to employ them if they're not doing the thing that would help them get it? Like If you've got a coach that isn't going to get hired as soon as you fire him, you should probably just fire the fucking coach. You would do this with any other position. And so we start with Doug Marone in Jacksonville, who is supposedly an offensive coordinator guy thing, but has, except for one season where Blake Bortles transformed into not Blake Bortles, his defenses have consistently been in the bottom half of the league. And on top of that, it doesn't seem like guys actually want to play for him. Like Jalen Ramsey wanted the fuck out. We know that, right? You've you've run off one of the top, you know, three cornerbacks in the entire league. As the offensive coach, you shouldn't. How much you should? You should barely even be talking to this guy. How the how do you fuck that up? You're the offensive, you know, you're the offensive fucking guy. You're the guy that stirs the fucking drink, right? You should just be like pumping your fucking defensive guys up. Get out there, have fun. Go fucking ball out. He's like screaming at guys on the sideline. What the fuck are you doing? It's Jalen Ramsey. Anyway, so Doug Marone, fifth worst coach that didn't make the playoffs last year. I don't know what the fucking, the, I, don't, I don't know where the Jaguars wins are going to come from this year either. Like if Doug Marone is still there next year, I'll be blown away. Really, if any of these guys are still employed next year, I'll be, I'll be surprised, and on top of that, um, a little sad for the fan bases. A little sad. Uh, number four, Matt Patricia. Again, what is it that you would say you do here? Now he had top ten defenses his entire time in New England leaves Bill Belichick 16th in year 1 with Detroit 16th in, in points against 26th in year 2 so again i ask what is it that you say you you do here again what ve- it runs off Darius like what the f- how difficult is this your defensive coach make the defense work Vic Fangio made my top five coaches list. Why? Team kind of underperformed. Seven and nine. Didn't have a great offense. But the guy who knows fucking defense came in and ran a top ten defense. Simple as that. He's still... You can still project out that if if he can hire the right guys to run the offense, that things are going to go well for him. But Patricia is the guy running the defense, just like Marone is the guy that's supposed to have the eye for the offense. So how does this work? What do you do? Figure that out. Number three, and this, I I can't believe this guy made it through last season. I can't. I, he shouldn't have made it halfway through last season. Dan Quinn has somehow managed, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, to with Matt Ryan, who is going to end up a top five statistical quarterback of all time. And is probably a Hall of Famer. Does have one more MVP than Drew Brees. Doesn't have the ring yet. If Matt Ryan gets a fucking ring. God, he's, he is, except for the years that Dan Quinn had Kyle Shanahan, he is ruining Matt Ryan. And, and 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 more legacy than anything, because I think we all agree that Matt Ryan's still a good quarterback, but he is ruining Matt the, the last years of Matt Ryan's prime. But again, let's talk about a defensive coach. He was the defensive coordinator in, in Seattle, got the job off of off of their success. And his defenses have been 14th, 27th, 8th. Congratulations. 14th, 27th, 8th, 25th, and 23. What is it that you say you do here? You could literally find anybody to do that badly. Anybody. Number two, worst coaches that didn't make the playoffs. Now, this guy's only in, came coming off his first year. And I didn't torture myself with a ton of Bengals games, but this was a this was a talented team. I mean, Andy Dalton is not garbage. Thirty five hundred yards in thirteen games. You give him another two hundred yards a game for those other three that uh, what Ryan Finley started, and he's over four thousand. So Dalton basically had the full-season equivalent of a 4,000-yard season. Joe Mixon ran for 1,000 yards. Tyler Boyd caught 1,000 yards worth of balls. There's talent here. Carlos Dunlap had nine sacks. Some guy, Sam Hubbard, that I'm just now hearing about, had like another eight, eight and a half sacks. There's talent on this roster. Pro Bowler and Geno Atkins. So the problem I have is that I... The Bengals and and Dolphins game, somehow I ended up watching some or most of that. I think it was because they were both winless. And the difference, and this is part of the reason why Brian Flores made my top five list, is that the Bengals just didn't look like they wanted to be out there. And that is, for if you're going to be a bad team, You might as well play hard. And it's not enough to be like, well, it's their first year. He's still got to wash out these guys and this guy and that guy. No, there's plenty of time to wash those guys out. That's what training camp's for. You've got to be a good enough judge of talent and have enough pull with your front office to go in there and say, no, these these guys aren't cutting. you got to get this guy out of here. Go get me anybody else. Because as soon as one person stops playing hard, it gives an excuse to the rest of the rest of the team. The other thing with Zach Taylor is that he spells Zach Z A C, and that's unforgivable. I'm okay with Z A K. I'm even okay with Z A C K. Take that back. I'm. It should be Z A. Oh, then there's Z A C H. There's always all these different ways to spell it. But ZAC is fucking, it's lazy and it's a, it's a, it's a degenerate way of doing things. It's really, how can you trust a guy who spells his name ZAC? I don't. He's my number two worst coach in the league that didn't make the playoffs. And the number one, the current Shitbaggiest coach of the of in the NFL, who I've talked about before on this podcast, and it is my distinct pleasure to talk about him again. Adam fucking gaze. Who took a team that in 2015, we're going back to the Dolphins. In 2015, the Dolphins were expected to win six wins. Have six wins. And I'm doing this off of this is this is the Pythag- Pythagorean record. So this is this isn't what they were projected to during like preseason power rankings. This is okay based off point differential and some other things. This is how many games a team this good should have expected to win. So in 2015, before he showed up, six wins. 2016, I think they go ten and six. They were expected to win seven and a half. They exceeded expectations. Ten wins. And then dropped off to five and then five. You basically, again, an offensive coach that runs offenses into the ground. Except for his two years with Peyton. He's never had a had an offense that was in the top half of the league. The, the Adam Gaze is the Adam Adam Gaze is the guy. In high school whose dad made the big donation. And so he gets a lot of B's that he probably shouldn't have gotten. Slips an A in there. Gets into a school he shouldn't have probably gotten into. And then fails out of college. Gets a heroin addiction. And goes to rehab six times. And then hits you up for money because his dad's not talking to him anymore. And then you see him like five years later, and he's living under a fucking freeway off-ramp. That's Adam Gase. And one can only hope for what he's done to to offenses around the league. That one day he will be living under a freeway exit. Because he's right now he's ruining Sam Darnold. I've said this before. This man is ruining Sam Darnold. Sam Donald has got to get this motherfucker fired, quick, real quick, like. So Adam Gase, shitbaggiest coach of the of the in the NFL of the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Anyways, this has been a fun top five, bottom five. Probably do this with some some other positions, maybe some other teams. Figure out some other way to do it, but I've enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to your feedback on this. Make sure you hit me up. And uh, we'll talk soon. See you guys tomorrow. Alright, so I'm using this last section of the podcast to talk about reviews. And I just want to shout out... God, he's making me say it. I'm going to shout out Gayboy27 who left a nice review. He said, I gave this podcast a shot because I enjoyed your memes on Instagram and I was hooked from the very second. I usually dislike NFL podcasts and talk shows because I find most of those people just trying to get their name out there with crazy takes that don't really make sense. Skip Bayless, Colin Cowherd, Nick Wright, etc. This guy really knows his stuff and isn't a typical biased NFL fan that only knows big name players and avoids criticizing his own team. If you're looking for a high-IQ NFL podcast with thought-provoking takes, non-biased opinions, and a touch of snarky humor, this is a must-listen. Best podcast, goat emoji. Thanks. Gay boy, 27, made me say it, didn't you? And listen, hopefully there's a little bit more than a touch of snarky humor. Snark is kind of my fucking thing. Anyways. Anyways. Thanks for the nice review. If you've made it this far, I appreciate it. hope you liked what I had to say. If you didn't like it, I hope you come back next week and hear more of the stupid shit that comes out of my mouth. Thanks for listening. Go ahead, like, subscribe, review, Whatever you got to do, help me get that podcast clout. Thanks, guys.
1: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.